0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. (laughs) I'm so delighted to be sharing this morning. And uh, happy uh, Father's Day again um, to the fathers in the church. And um, here's a wee dad joke. A cheeseburger walks into a bar. The bartender says, sorry, we don't serve food here. Stuart, could you cue the fake laughter, please? (laughs) Uh, So we're going to continue our series on one another. And open up the Bible to the last chapter of the letter of James in the New Testament. Um, Near the end of the chapter, a section goes like this from verse 13. James chapter um, 5 verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. um so there's a few things that the passage touches on but the central thing really is about prayer so this morning we're going to be talking about praying um for Mm -hmm. one another praying for one another and i want to approach this topic by asking two easy questions two easy questions what is prayer for one what is prayer for and two why pray for one another why do it i'm the type of person who if you just tell me to do something i'm my tendency is to ask, well, well why? What's, what's that beneficial for? What's that good for? So hopefully, hopefully, I, um, what I have to say will be helpful. What is prayer for? In the context of James 5, um, prayer is connected with healing from sickness, uh, forgiveness of sins, and is described as something that is powerful and having an effect on life events. And he gives us the example of Elijah, who is described in verse 17 to 18 as a human being, even as we are. I think that that is such a helpful description, and I'm so glad that the Bible put that there. Because what's helpful is that Elijah, even though we know he wasn't just an ordinary person, we know he was a special prophet and God used him um, in significant ways, James is not elevating him to be more than us and the king james translation say that elijah was subject to like passions as we are in other words he felt and experienced the same kinds of things um, that we feel and experience as human beings and when we read his story we certainly see that he wasn't flawless and that he had his own share of struggles um, it'd be too long to read the story but in the old testament in second kings um, sorry in first kings 18 and 19 in the space of two chapters you see such a sharp contrast um, between elijah's experience in first kings 18 he's so bold he's so courageous and god uses him mightily and then a chapter later you find him fearful for his life he's depressed and he's wishing that he might die and i think that is that's quite a human thing isn't it and where maybe at times we experience a God moment or God moments and then not too long after we find ourselves um, a bit down in the dumps and so James is saying that he shares Elijah shares the same kinds of experience that we we do and maybe what James is trying to do is to to give us encouragement that our prayers human as we are our prayers do affect the world around us that they have impact that prayer has power to bring certain things about that wouldn't otherwise be if we didn't pray and one of the conditions that James gives for this effective kind of prayer is earnestness so Elijah is described as praying earnestly in other words he was sincere and about what he was praying for and he had a a level of intensity or conviction um, of desire towards it now, of course, you can't turn that into a formulaic thing where, it, you know, as if to say that just have enough conviction, just have enough earnestness, and that your prayers will always be answered. That's not how it works. We know that, right, from our own experience. That's not it. And I certainly can't do justice to all the, the complicated factors that are involved when it comes to prayer. Um, but nevertheless, we are encouraged to to believe that Our prayers do matter because they help shape life events. Um, Frank Laubach, a missionary and a pioneer in education, in his book on prayer, has this to say, every prayer that we utter from the heart begins to change history at once. Most prayers of intercession one hears in church are tragic disappointments, meager, vague, half-hearted, powerless, small people, People seldom pray as if they realized that prayer changes the world. Now that's quite a hard-hitting statement, but maybe he's not been to a vineyard church. He's entitled to what he has to say, but his point is to encourage us to see that prayer really affects how human history plays out. And that is a huge thing, is it not? Um, We have a real say in how life pans out. And one story um, helps to eliminate that, right? And it's with Moses in Exodus chapter 32 in the Old Testament where um, there was this scenario where God was really angry at Israel because they betrayed um, him by worshipping other gods. And he threatened to bring disaster upon Israel. But Moses, in a way, reasoned with God. He pleaded and he what the phrase was, he sought God's favor, um, which caused God to not bring about the disaster. There's a variety of ways that you can interpret that story, but I'm of the school of thought that says that that was a legitimate change in God's mind. Anyway, we won't get into that. But um, one of the uh, prayer is one of the, if not one of the the central way by which we partner with God to accomplish certain ends in human life. And um, Jesus was the uh, the master at this kind of partnering with God, wasn't he? he the, the statements that he say about himself only doing what the Father is doing, only saying what the Father is saying shows that Jesus' life was thoroughly soaked in prayer because that kind of life where um, you're so responsive to God and his leadings in what you do and in what you say is only possible when you're constantly attached to Him in prayer. And out of that, you know, we see the, the, the results that come from Jesus' deeds um, the healings that take place, the deliverance that takes place, the, the powerful words that He speaks. Um, and that, you know, it, w- it came from that intimacy, it came from that constant um, life of communicating with God. And God has given us the, the same kind of authority to align our hearts with him to bring about certain things in our lives or certain events in, in, the, in, the people, in, in our lives and in the lives of the people around us that further God's kingdom and that enable um, us to move towards um, what the Old Testament calls shalom, which is this human flourishing. And so prayer, what is prayer for? Um, Well, it's one answer, I suppose, is to change things, to bring about um, certain ends that are beneficial for God, for myself, and for the people around me. Question two, why pray for one another? Because James tells us so. That's not enough for me. (laughs) Because the Bible says so. Of course, that's a good thing. Um, The Bible tells me so, and I ought to do it, but but why? Why? And I want to approach it this way. Um, Why pray for one another? Because whether we realize it or not, um, we are involved in a spiritual warfare. And it seems that prayer is one of the main ways that we engage this battle To pray for one another with this in view, with the spiritual warfare in view, is to um, aid one another and to help one another against what Paul describes as the uh, rulers and principalities of this dark age. Um, He describes that in uh, Ephesians chapter 6. And these spiritual beings, unseen and invisible, but are nevertheless real, they seek to pull us away from God and the kind of life that he would have for us and maybe one of the the classical the classic biblical passage that helps to illuminate that is um, found in the book of daniel in the old testament so i'm going to go to daniel chapter 10 and um, we're just going to read this strange encounter this strange um, situation that daniel found himself in Um, so from verse 4 chapter 10 On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from ufas around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, You who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words that I am about to speak to you, and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding, and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of Persian of the Persian kingdom resisted me twenty-one days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns yet a time to come. Strange, very strange. What's going on there? Well, what's interesting to note is that the fact that the angelic being who addressed Daniel mentioned that there was a kind there was a delay in this angelic being being able to come to Daniel as a response to Daniel's prayer and he was held back in fact by a spiritual being what's named as the the prince of persia and he needed help from another angelic being to to help him get away to deliver the the message to Daniel concerning um, what's to come. It's a very strange story, but the Bible assumes that there is this invisible or unseen world that has an interconnectedness with our visible world. And in Ephesians chapter 6, we see that Paul adopts this similar worldview. In chapter 6, verse 12, he says that, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, that is, that the our enemies are never human beings, but our enemies are against principalities, powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Um, an Old Testament scholar named Michael Heiser mentions that what these terms in the Greek have in common is that um, principalities, powers, authorities, rules, what they have in common is that they are terms designating geographical domain rulership, quite a fancy term. But it just seems that they have a locale that they like to hang around in, <laughs> um, and these unseen spiritual beings um, have a kind of power to mm. delay stuff, and so um, yeah, and then it seems that they're anti-god; that they still have this ability to. Pull um, people away or try to turn events um, that bring about consequences that are not of God's kingdom. Um, So, in having this in mind, when we pray for one another, um, it sort of, at least for me, it helps me to see that there is a, a battle that goes on for people's lives, for people's hearts, for people's minds. And there is An anti-God force that seeks to undermine the the, the work of Christ the work of God in people's people's hearts and it seems that you know there's still a force that tries to pull people away from God's best for them and I like Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 6 Um, verse 18, later on in the, the small passage that I read, he says that with every prayer and petition, sorry, it's not his prayer, it's his command, with every prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and to this end be alert, with all perseverance and requests for all the saints. We all share in this battle, so our prayers for one another are in a way a kind of lifeline, isn't it? Um, so pray for one another what kind of things um, should we be praying for for one another there's a variety of stuff that we could be be praying for isn't it Um, mental health problems uh, provision material provision um, there's all sorts of stuff spiritual um, growth um battling against fear, life situations, there's all sorts of stuff. And I want to encourage us by saying that we have a real say-so when it comes to how things play out um, because of the authority given to us by God in prayer. And I suppose it's up to us, in a way, to to walk in that authority um, and to grow in that kind of um, power um, in utilising prayer as a tool to help shape um, the lives of those of us in the church and those outside um, for God's glory and for God's kingdom and for the welfare of of other people. Um, you know. And I think for me. That helps me. And encourages me to to see the um, the weight that is involved. When it comes to, to prayer. There's a, a sense where. You know. Things do hang in the balance. When we pray for stuff. Or when we don't pray for stuff. Um, it's not something that we do just as a um, ritualistic thing, right? Um, Unfortunately, uh, maybe um, we've all been there where prayer just becomes this dry practice that is not really meaningful to us. But um, I'm hoping that um, what James has to say and what these passages have to to illuminate is that prayer matters. And it's our birthright as God's children um, to use that to work with him and to bring things about that will be of ultimate eternal significance um, for for ourselves and for the people around us and uh you know and it's what's encouraging to me is sometimes i know when somebody's praying for me it's a weird and maybe a strange thing to say but in my consciousness i feel a kind of uh sense that I am being prayed for happened just this morning um, and I get very encouraged by that, and I'm very thankful when those things occur um there's a change almost in myself um and it's a helpful thing it's a helpful thing um, I've also heard people say that um you know even though You know, there's there's testimonies that people say, oh, there there was quite a shift in my way of being. And that happens, I think, when people pray. Um, So prayer, prayer is an essential practice. And I hope that, um, yeah, we don't get so bogged down in just doing it, but that we can also be honest with God Um, when it comes to where we are at in prayer I think that's a very helpful thing Um, yes on one hand you know honesty with God is crucial um, and um, you know we should be as brutally honest with him he can take it and um, for me that helps to to sort of enliven me a little bit because you know I'm not just going through the motions I'm really telling Jesus what's up inside Lord this is where I'm at (laughs) (laughs) right and that's a helpful thing so we we shouldn't be afraid of being um, true or authentic when it comes to God in our prayers Um, because those are the ones that are from the heart aren't they They they're the ones that um, do make a difference I want to close by reading one of my favorite prayers from the Apostle Paul Um, in Ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 Um, let me find it Ah, here okay a prayer for the Ephesians he says this let's just say it's a prayer for the vineyard for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name Amen. That's it. I hope that was helpful. Um, Thank you guys for listening. Um, God bless you.